Hello, and welcome to People on Purpose. I am your host, Paul Kimmerling. People on Purpose highlights individuals who strive to live authentically by aligning their choices with what is most true and meaningful for them. Today's guest is John Steele, and here's a little bit more about John. John Steele is a founding member and senior associate at the Diversity Quotient, a firm that seeks to empower organizations and communities through facilitating courageous conversations about what diversity, equity, and inclusion means to them, and by partnering with clients to clarify what changes they can make in their spheres of influence to advance their DEI vision. He is also pursuing a master's in organizational change management at the New School. A topic of particular interest to him right now is around exceptional workplace cultures and the policies, practices, and people that sustain them. Thank you, John, for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Paul. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> me too. Thank you. So, John, if it's okay, I'd like to give the folks listening a little bit of context as to how we came to do this. Yeah. Um, which is that uh, John and I were both at an art event a few weeks ago. I was interviewing a friend who's an artist about her solo show. And John and I were introduced by a mutual friend. And we had a very nice, easy conversation that evening. And it was understood that we both had some common interests. So we set up some time to chat after that and had a very nice, organic and flowing conversation. It occurred to me during that conversation that purpose, you know, the discernment of purpose and the, you know, people's desire to follow their purpose is not just the province of, you know, folks like me who are in middle age. <laughs> and so I was uh, excited to talk to John because he seems to be living quite a purpose-filled life. So thank you again, John, for joining us today. Well, I, I hope I'm able to, to live up to those expectations, but... Oh, um... wow. Well, I, I, I think you will. I think you will. So uh, let me start by saying that, you know, as I said about this question of, of age and life, um, it seems pretty universal that um, purpose is something that can be a lifelong quest wherever we are in our lives. And it can also be a process that's fairly organic or iterative. In other words, it may not always dawn on us, uh, you know, what mm -hmm. we are, what we're here to do. So I'd like to start our conversation uh, with a question about your current sense of purpose, and then we'll take it back in time to see a little bit more about how it evolved. So mm -hmm. with that in mind, um, how would you describe your current sense of purpose? Deep breath. Uh, deep, deep breath. breath. Deep breath. I, I would say right now my primary purpose is trying to get to know myself better mm. in the hopes that that will help to clarify you know, you, when you were talking about trying to answer those questions of what am I here to do and what am I here to get involved in and learn and give back. And I think that for, for most of my life, I've been very sort of achievement oriented of mm -hmm. how high can I climb? How quickly, what are, what are my best skills and what are, some of the ways that I can try to 
organize and motivate and uh, mobilize myself to get there. Um, you mean aside from just playing squash competitively? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. That gives me a sense of your drive, yes. <laughs> it is funny because um, some of my close friends are, are often quite surprised to learn that I used to be a competitive athlete. Uh-huh. Uh, and even at the time, a lot of my, uh, you know, I was close with, with the other guys on the team and, and we played closely with the women's team, but uh, many of, uh, many of my friends did not know that I was on an athletics team, but it was, uh, it's, uh, it is you know, I, I would always say that it's part of a liberal arts education for a reason. You know, getting to know your body is an important right. part of of learning to compete athletically. And and I will say that I um I, I did learn a lot about myself through that process. But um but did it also you know evoke in me uh win at all costs um you know do bad things to my body to get me over the finish line you know maybe i don't know i'm still still trying to untangle Mm. some of that Uh, am i sensing that maybe there's too much red bull in your past (laughs) (laughs) um you know i've uh, you don't need to make a confession (laughs) yeah 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 uh we'll see we'll see so so trying to get that even burn just right gotcha yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So um, I, I, I appreciate what you said about um, this process of learning what your purpose is. So here's what I'm curious about. You're, you're already engaged or have been engaged in, in some really interesting things. The work you're doing with the diversity quotient mm-hmm. and what you're studying now in your uh, graduate program around organizational change management. Um, what have those things uh, helped you see about yourself thus far? Hmm. Yeah, I would say it's been a very interesting journey working with Courtney Portlock, who's the founder and CEO of the Diversity Quotient, and collaborating with her on on diversity, equity, and inclusion work, and and coming to learn about change management and. Uh, and to sort of study it intellectually and also be in a community of other people who are interested in this kind of work has been, uh, I would say one of the things that has been really hard for me to learn is that, um, that I am a really important part of the work mm. and that. What, what does that mean that you are a really important part of the work? I would say in my education and um, sort of in in one of my first jobs straight out of undergrad, I was very focused on my work, yep. but uh, I was really focused on making it the best that it could be. Oh, okay. uh, and I didn't really see sort of my internal world as important or, or having any bearing on how I would be involved in that work. So um, it was mostly about how can I get, you know, myself out of the way of mm-hmm. um, uh, of sort of trying to complete the, the things that I was uh, sort of assigned, whether that was in a professional or an academic context. And 
starting to do facilitation work and work with other people, starting to understand that, you know, what's going on internally for me is a really important uh, piece of information as Hmm. a facilitator. So if Mm -hmm. I'm feeling particularly uncomfortable or if I'm tuned into the room or the crowd or the person that I'm working with and I sense uh, I sense that something is off or not quite right, that, um, you know, particularly in tense conversations where emotions are high, where the stakes are fairly high, uh, you know, when we're having these, we, we call them courageous conversations about, uh, about race, gender, um, sexual orientation, class, you know, various types of social identity that, um, that paying attention to moments of discomfort can uh, can be a really vital part of of bringing the group along. Mm, okay, so uh, if I'm hearing you right, there is value for you in the, when you're doing work with others to not only really discern what's happening in the room in terms of the dynamic, mm-hmm. um, but in addition to look inward so that you are monitoring your own reaction to what's happening in the room. Mm-hmm. So simultaneously, you're looking out and looking in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Trying and to. So, yeah, yeah, no, no, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I get that. I do. And um, help me understand why that simultaneous vision seems um really important to maintain i i think for me i've realized that uh it's important for me to maintain because it's so hard for me to maintain uh i was in conversation with some with a friend recently and i sort of jokingly referred to myself as a recovering computer um (laughs) and that i you know i'm i'm fairly practiced at okay, let's come up with, uh, with a plan and let's execute it. And um, I think that one of the, how, how do I say this? One of the aspects of getting to know myself more that is really central to my purpose right now is about learning how to be able to um, respond to a flow of conversation. So Obviously, having a plan and having some structure in place is really important. What I, I remember going to a training one time where a facilitator said, uh, you know, what do you get if as a facilitator you don't impose structure? You just get whatever dynamics that are at play within that group coming straight to the surface. So if there are problems with authority or power structure within the organization where you know, top managers or senior administrators aren't, uh, are, that there's not open communication between them and other parts of the organization, Mm -hmm. you know, that will, that will become clear and, and, and make itself known. And, and as a facilitator, you have, you're, you're the one there. So you have to be the one to respond to it. So, Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that partially it's around, both me keeping an eye on, as you said, the the outside and the inside. Um, and then also trying to understand 
you know, I have agency within this situation. Right. And I think for, for a long time, it was really hard for me to, to kind of step into, I have social agency here. I can impact mm -hmm. this social system. Um, and, and so learning both how to do that and how I do that, um, has been, uh, you know, an, an interesting way to learn about myself. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, and, and thank you for being able to articulate that so well. Um, you know, what I, what I hear in that, you know, is as someone who, you know, you might be describing yourself as someone who likes to maintain forward movement on mm -hmm. things that it's also uh, very helpful to hold that in one hand in a way and then be able to, in the other, uh, re sort of relax your grip so that something can happen organically that you can respond to. Um, and they don't cancel each other out necessarily. Whew, yeah, you have really <laughs> just articulated one of the central conflicts within myself. Okay, um, awesome. That'd be $100. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, uh, you know, that that is my... One really difficult thing about that tension for me is, I would say, how impolite those different sides are to each other. Oh, that, my <laughs> Uh, uh, that, you know, the side of me that is really like, we need to keep moving, we need to keep going forward, uh, you know, that this is really important that this get done today. And if this doesn't happen, then, uh, you know, that there will be real consequences. And then there's another part of me that's like, this is all just a rehearsal, and we're all here to learn. And, uh, you know, is, is very kind of process, not outcome, and, and we'll just do what we can and, and see where it goes. And, and trying to learn, you know, um, I think it was Alan Watts who uh, who said something to the effect of, you know, many people in the world can be, are sort of too sharp or too gooey. <laughs> um, hmm. And that, you know, either we're trying to dissect everything down to a super micro level or it's all, we're all just one and we're all interconnected and that there are ways of viewing the world. Um, you know, even if you get into the, I think he brought up something about astrophysics and how you can never know the precise location and direction of a molecule, because the more that you understand the location, you, you kind of mess up its trajectory. And the more you understand the trajectory, the more you mess up its location. And, um, and so one of the things that he talked about was, was trying to be somewhere in the middle, that the world mm. is both gooey and sharp and that, uh, you know, we will be called to respond to it in both of those ways, that there will be certain situations that if you try to power through, um, you are, you're going to be banging your head against the wall. And mm -hmm. there are certain situations that, uh, you know, that, that, a sort of passive acceptance is, is not the lesson. Um, and, and I think that's one thing that I'm still, I still feel so, um, 
so early on in my journey trying to figure out what are the signs that I'm being too gooey or that I'm being too sharp um, and, oh. and need to make a change. Yeah. Right, right. Um, you know, the, the, you've said so many interesting things. I, um, <laughs> I, you know, one of them, if I could just yeah. pick out one, um, you know, first of all, is your, uh, the um, degree to which you attempt to maintain awareness of yourself in situations, like awareness of your thinking, mm -hmm. awareness of your reactions, awareness of the possible impact of your sort of next step on the dynamic of what happens in the room mm -hmm. and asking yourself, like, what's the right choice, right? Between being, uh, being sharp and being gooey. Where am I on the continuum? What does this situation call for? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, that to me seems to require a fair amount of watchfulness. Um, yes. Some might even uh, call it micromanaging or obsessing. <laughs> um, you might. I'm not going to. <laughs> Do you micromanage yourself? Um, yeah, no, I, I, it does. Um, and, and I guess that one of the things that, uh, has been a real gift about doing this work around diversity, equity, and inclusion in particular has, um, you know, one of the reasons that I got into the work was realizing workplaces are not neutral and that mm. they're actually pretty damaging places to be for a lot of people a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And the way that they're set up, the way that power is distributed, um, it, it makes it so that people, uh, you know, people are subject to other humans who are imperfect and have a lot going on. And, you know, the boss is in a bad bout of traffic for the morning and they dump that onto you. Uh, and and right. there's there's not much recourse for that. And so in the conversations around diversity, equity, inclusion, coming to learn that that there's a certain level of this awareness that people who do not have certain types of privilege are are maintaining, especially in these work contexts where uh, for people of color, for women, for minorities, anyone of, of any type of marginalization uh, is sort of constantly managing how are other people viewing me and viewing me in relation to this identity? Am I being labeled uh, and written off in a certain way? And that this type of, of micromanaging is going on. And, and a lot of times we're doing it sort of unconsciously. This mm -hmm. is just sort of um, managing our, our social realities and contexts. And so I, I guess I'm I'm interested in how can we how can we kind of push those boundaries because it's it's really easy to obsess over things when they matter to us, <laughs> um, and I think it's 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 a lot more challenging to to sort of maintain that energy and focus when uh, when it when it doesn't feel like it's an urgent thing for me in that moment. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I, mm -hmm. no, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was, okay. I was, yeah. 
It's all good. Um, one of the things I heard in what you say is that this, uh, let me see if I can phrase it, um, that the workplace can be a context in which underrepresented people consciously or unconsciously manage their outward persona to be as acceptable to the minor majority culture as possible. Uh -huh. And that this is um, a phenomenon that, that is important to you. So how, in what way does this phenomenon have meaning for you personally? Mm -hmm. um, in other words, what, what inside of you does this really resonate with such that it is important to do this work? Yeah, I would say there are two main things. Uh, so I identify as a gay man. Mm -hmm. um, and my experience with that aspect of my identity in high school was somewhat fraught. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as, as I think, you know, many other people in the LGBT community uh, have also experienced uh, a feeling that uh, it's not necessarily safe for me mm -hmm. to reveal this part of myself. Uh, and there may be consequences that I'm not ready for and don't know how to manage. And, uh, and so the way that I dealt with it personally was sort of by shrinking everything down. Um, I, uh, and so from, from that position, I think when I was talking about, you know, growing in my sense of self agency in social context, you know, that, that that's been sort of a Passover from that, that time. Yeah. Um, and, and also, you know, getting a, getting a felt appreciation for, um, what it can be like when a culture is leaving you in particular behind. Mm -hmm. um, I was in a group of friends who, uh, you know, we were sort of the oddballs and misfits of, of the school. And Oh, I um, never was. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one thing that became sort of clear to me when we all went away to, you know, after after we finished with, with high school was that at least for me, uh, you know, one of the big sort of consolidating forces with that, with that group was that we were on the outside. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, so that would be the first. And then, and then the second was, uh, was working in a 25 person organization. Um, you know, I was a junior level employee, but, being in meetings with people, uh, you know, having to present something to a, a chairman of a board who has been in this industry for 50, 60 years, um, uh, and, and getting to see sort of, uh, what are these different personalities like on the ground and then being able to see, you know, as, as I've learned in graduate school more about, um, you know, stakeholder mapping and, and stakeholder analyses of what are the different power dynamics at different levels, but, but getting to see how, how do individuals um, and, and individual 
idiosyncrasies or each of our little quirks, things that we love to do, things that we like to avoid, um, you know, how do those play out and trickle down uh, through an organization and, and seeing the ways that um, uh, that those sort of individual characteristics and, and the way that individuals manage themselves can play out for a group. Mm. Yeah, thank you. That's, um, you know, this idea of having uh, an outsider status, um, mm -hmm. which I can certainly relate to, um, I'll just say for me, has given me um, a certain way in which I perceive the world that may not be a mainstream perception. Um, and, you know, and also a sense, you know, to be frank, a, a kind of a sense of woundedness around exclusion mm -hmm. um, that, I, that I really don't want other people to experience. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, uh, and, and, you know, then your experience at the... Um, 25 person organization, you strike me as someone who is really sort of a student of human behavior and, and loves to <laughs> see how all of these personality variables come to the fore and interact with each other. And what does that mean for the group or the purpose at hand? Like it's a meeting, but all these things are happening. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I do have to say, I, I think it's something that, um, it still kind of blows my mind how powerful it can be when a social force kind of gets momentum and starts moving. Um, just the way that history is changed. People have such a, people so strongly believe in their own kind of perception of the situation when, right. um, and, and sort of when there's time and there's space and support in taking a step back of, okay, well, what are the implications of where this is headed? Mm -hmm. um, that, that that can be pretty, uh, it can be fairly daunting, I know, for me. Uh, I can definitely run away from it. I, I think I'm still learning how to support myself in that process. Mm -hmm. But I, I also think that you know, people can just get swept up and, and carried away in good directions or in bad directions. Um, and, and so I really do feel that there's, there's not enough time spent on it right. is, is, um, is sort of where, where, where that drive to study it comes from. Yeah, uh, I get that. So yeah. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to make a little bit of a connection here, just mm -hmm. check this out. But you know, what I hear us coming back to is this conversation around motivation or uh, drive in organizations, perhaps by leaders or folks in the political sphere or wherever mm -hmm. we want to speak about that have a very strong and powerful idea and the motivation and perhaps the power to make it happen. And uh, with or without the consciousness that this initiative uh, could have far-reaching impact. Mm -hmm. um, and especially if we brought in the conversation about diversity, equity, and inclusion, if I am this leader who is not in touch with all of these other populations, I may have no idea how these other populations who are not like me 
may be affected by this idea that I think is so cool. Yeah. So, yeah. so, and I hear that as being connected to your own sense of what happens in your interior life as you ask yourself or say to yourself, I really want to get this thing done. <laughs> and at the same time, I really kind of want to make sure I remain open to see how this could unfold in a way that feels more collaborative with the other people I'm in conversation with. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I, I, I'm seeing this wonderful macro and micro happening at the same time, you know, your ability to observe outside, you know, the, what, what's happening within an organization and what's happening inside yourself. And uh, those two powers of observation uh, are on a continuum, which seems quite uh, uh, not so accidental, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I and I think that to, to me, as I think about trying to grow into myself more yeah. uh, and, and to more fully be able to, um, you know, I, I suppose this, this may be connected to the part of me that still wants to marshal all of my resources to, yes. to, to do something. Um, and I not, not so sure what that is just yet, but, um, but that life, um, you know, life fully lived is, is pretty intense. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I, I think that I'm, I'm still, that's then, and whew, wow. Um, that is just uh, a tension that I'm still struggling with. I, you know, I find mm -hmm. myself getting lost in, um, in either paying too much attention to the outside or too much attention to the inside. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so, so learning how to, learning how to live more on the continuum and not yeah. just, uh, you know, recovering computer in the binary of zeros <laughs> and ones. Um, uh, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a uh, humbling, it can be funny sometimes, but mostly I find it a little depressing um, how, how difficult it is to, to, mm -hmm. to stretch out that zone. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I want to be respectful of your time. I have, I have two other questions to ask. And, and one is, um, you know, as someone who is, um, you know, holding that tension between those desires for yourself, are there certain things that have historically helped you hold that tension a little bit? Mm -hmm. And if so, what have those been? So it's a good question. I think that for me, I tend to, my practices tend to change mm -hmm. sort of in, in different phases. And, um, and so I'm, I'm trying to think about, are there any links between the different phases? Because I, I do think that um, one practice that is really important for me is something that uh, some form of exercise that mm -hmm. is celebratory and mm -hmm. that can be dance for me. That could be dance for me. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it still is squash, uh, but something that, that gets me, 
you know, that gets me working out and just get the blood flowing. Let's, you know, let's move out these cobwebs. I spend most of my time sitting down. So, yeah. uh, so getting myself physical is, is something that's important. I'm trying to do more meditation. Mm -hmm. I do find it hard to, to continue that practice. You know, I'll, I'll be very committed to a little bit and then, and then I'll, I'll fall off my routine and, and hopefully get back on it. And the last thing that is really important for me is sleep. Oh, uh, amen. <laughs> I, I really do feel, I think my sister was the first one to notice. She said, you know, there really are two different Johns. There's a well-rested John and there's a tired John and they're very <laughs> different people. And, um, and so really trying to prioritize that even, you know, even when I, I'm the lame one who's going to bed early before everyone else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. It's, um, talk about being aware of your needs and yourself, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no one really wants to be around me if I have not had enough sleep. I don't even want to be around myself. Yes. So I, I totally get that. So my last question for you is, you know, in, based on your experience so far, if you were to encourage other folks to live authentically or explore their purpose or things around that, what, what would you say? I think the thing that is coming to mind, and it's, it's a little surprising to me that this is the thing that I feel like I want to say in response, but um, is to get really clear on what your boundaries are and what mm. you actually need. And I'll say that because I think that for me, I, I was sort of operating from this mindset. You know, I, I've heard people talk about scarcity mindsets uh, yeah. sometimes around feeling that there's that there's not enough resources to go around. And, and, you know, to me, I, I think that there are certainly are situations where that is true, but one of the challenges for me is right now is to, to be able to kind of recognize when I'm safe, when I actually have enough that, yes. um, that I can take my foot off the gas and yeah. that, I think that I was operating, I got very practiced at being like, what is everything that needs to get done? I need to do all of it. Wow. Uh, yeah. And getting to a place of, you know, this thing is is kind of important, but I just don't have the bandwidth to do that and this other thing that I really care about. And so I'm going to have to let this one go. Um, mm -hmm. And that for me, trying to learn that, there's, you know, to continue on and to stay committed to the path of following your purpose, but that also trying to come to terms with that there's not time for me to do all of the purposes I feel called to. Um, right. And so trying to, um, yeah, trying to be more realistic with, with myself about what I actually need versus what I think I need versus what I just want. Yeah, great. John, this has been, as all of our conversations have been to date, a really uh, interesting and also nicely organic 
uh, experience. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, it's always uh, a pleasure um, speaking with you. Thank you, sir. So for those who are listening, I'd like to let you know how you can learn more about John Steele. Uh, you can find him on LinkedIn, and Steele is spelled with an E at the end. Mm -hmm. And he also can be contacted through the organization, uh, the Diversity Quotient. If you go to their website, you'll be able to reach out to him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I want to thank you again, John, and I want to thank everyone who is listening. Again, my name is Paul Kimmerling, and you've been listening to People on Purpose. Thank you, and we'll chat next time. I have two invitations for those who are listening. Here's the first. If you'd like to share your purpose story on this podcast, please send an email to paul at paulkimmerling.com. In the subject line, write, share my story. The second invitation is to those who would like to explore their purpose in a coaching conversation with me. To do that, send an email to paul at paulkimmerling.com. In the subject line, write, coaching. I look forward to hearing from you.